0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. You ready to go?
1: Ready as I'll ever be.
0: Okay, so we are doing our book club chat, and January's book was How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids by Jancy Dunn. This is good timing because I just talked to her on Wednesday and it was such a good chat. So that episode will be coming out um, in the future at some time. Uh, so, yeah, the first thing I had to say about this book, and I told her as well, I was like, the title is misleading because. It makes it sound like the book is going to be bashing men or husbands, and it's not at all that. It's just as much about her and things that she needed to change and work on as it was about her husband. But yeah, my when I had it out in the living room and stuff, Pre would be like, "Oh." you're reading your, your husband uh, resentment book over there. And I'm like, that's not what it's about, but it's so hard to say that because the title does sound like that.
1: It's funny. because I never got that when I read the title and maybe it's because like, I have just a few girl, like quite a few girlfriends who, you know, have struggled with in their relationships, having kids. And so I took the title as thinking like, holy shit things are really tough once you have kids and like if you want to make your marriage like survive it like you got to figure your shit out mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it's funny my I do have one friend who their husband ordered them the book without them knowing. <laughs> and I <it just, laughs> was like oh Jen's reading this book I think you should read it too
0: <laughs> well that's nice
1: yeah. <laughs> I, like, oh. I don't know how I should take this
0: that's hilarious when I told her that she was saying Initially she had a different title or something and whoever is in charge of helping with, you know, the covers and the titles mentioned this title and she was like, really, are you sure? And she was like, I I almost wanted to put a fake cover on front because she was thinking it would kind of turn people off, but yeah. So anyways, I, it is a good title and I think it's catchy. So yeah. But yeah, so basically the book is about um, her and her husband had this awesome relationship. They're both writers, journalists, um, and then they had a baby and everything changed for them. So they went from never fighting, being really quiet at home, writing, nice, calm life, and then they had a child and everything changed. And so basically when she started to feel that their marriage was really suffering she, what she told me was, she was writing, um, you know, articles for Oprah Magazine and all these big, um, all these big places, and she frequently chats with experts in all these different areas about relationships and things like that. And she was like, I would write these articles about, you know, relationships and how to have a fulfilling marriage. And meanwhile, at home, our marriage was falling apart. So she was like, I should do something about this. I have a ton of resources and people that I know that I can go to. So she decided to go on this journey of therapy and trying to change her relationship. And it really worked. And this book is basically taking us through everything that she learned and what they did, um, together to make changes. So it is, I think if someone is struggling in their marriage after having a child, this would probably be a really good book to read.
1: Yeah. Or read before you have your Yes.
0: And she talks a lot about that, about how so many people focus on things that don't matter when you're pregnant or when you're trying to get pregnant, like the color of the nursery and, you know, picking out clothes for the baby, but people don't focus on how it's going to affect your relationship and kind of set ground rules for this is how things are going to be like, you know, because everything just becomes more difficult. So if the mom is breastfeeding and she used to do all these things during the day, like for in the house, like it's not going to happen. So it's nice to kind of think ahead and get things uh, sorted out for sure.
1: I think sometimes people, even before you have kids, a lot of us will have, you know, either friends or family and you've, you've seen their relationship change after they have kids. But I think so many people think, Oh, that's not going to be me, my partner. You just mm-hmm. think that and like, like my husband and I were in a different situation because we're choosing not to have kids. So we're always think like, for me, none of this is shocking because I'm always like, I look at everyone else I have I know in my life and their marriage completely shifted gears after they had kids. Every single couple that I know, like it's not all bad, but it totally changed the dynamic of their relationship. But because I'm not sitting here thinking like, oh, my relationship is not going to be like that after I have kids because I'm not having kids. Right. So I think yeah. like, I have a different perspective of it than a lot of people. I think most yeah. people have that rosy picture of like, ah, oh, we're going to be so much better than, you know. So-and-so. Yeah.
0: Like we never fight. Like, why would we fight? And the thing that I notice, it just happened upstairs. Like Milo is being such a butt tonight and he never acts this way, but I start to get, you know, like flustered. And so you will react in certain situations that are stressful in ways that you never would
1: mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, in different positions that you never, you, you don't even necessarily think are going to happen until you have a kid right like these aren't like there's no you can't prep for it. there's no training course (laughs) no
0: no no so yeah reading books like this is a a good start I think and it reminded me of how everyone focuses on labor and delivery and not the recovery it's the same shit like you're so focused on the short-term things that are very temporary and gonna go away eventually but like focus on like your pelvic floor, like healing from that properly, um, your recovery. So yeah, it reminded me of that.
1: Obviously you can't, just like you can't plan for a perfect delivery, but you can like make plans and then have like, I, I forget what you were, you call it, but like your different scenarios in case certain things happen. Like you can sort of plan things, right? And so it's same thing like for post, <clears throat> like once your baby is born Like if you have these conversations with your partner ahead of time, then you can help kind of plan for certain scenarios, right? Like let's figure out like who is going to cook dinners and who is going to like what chores are we going to kind of divvy up, right? Like you can make the, have those conversations before life gets crazy. Maybe or before you have your second baby or, or your third child or whatever. Right.
0: And I think even just getting into a routine of communicating how you're both feeling and when you're stressed out and what you need when you're stressed out a hundred percent. If you're not used to communicating, it's not just going to magically happen once there's stress involved. So,
1: but that's like, always think like, if people don't have, know how to communicate, why are you having a kid?
0: Mm, <laughs> Which is always, easy
1: for me to say. but
0: <laughs> You'd be surprised, Jen. Okay. <sighs> One thing that I related to so much in the book was when she talked about um, the research behind why husbands don't wake up as much when they hear the baby. This is this is my life. And this is why Pre sleeps with the monitor because he can just ignore the little sounds. I cannot. And I learned that very early on. As soon as Milo would wake up, I'm wide awake and then I can't fall back asleep. Whereas Pre. Can like briefly wake up and just pass right out again, or not wake up at all, unless it's a full blown cry. Um, so yeah, to know, like, she talked about how it could be, or like, they suspect it's an evolutionary thing. So men are more concerned about dangers that are gonna, um, come for the whole family, whereas the moms are. Mostly concerned just about the child and they feed the child. So I was like, that's got to have something to do with it as well. Because, you know, we feed the child, assuming that we're breastfeeding. And I'm sure way back in the day, everybody like that's just what you did because formula is rather new. So if a woman's nipples leak when a baby cries, there's got to be something with waking up as well.
1: Yeah, I think, and I mean, I've heard from a lot of my friends that, you know, they felt exhausted through the night because they would still sleep with their partner in the same bed. And then if their partner was doing feedings, they would wake up and then they would say, well, I might as well just do the feeding because I'm up anyways. I'm not going to sleep. And then dad, two seconds later is like snoring, like, lights <laughs> out, like deep sleep. And so a lot of my girlfriends have told me that, like, I'm just the one who, who does all of the feedings because I'm up anyways. Yeah. And so you're right. That's probably something like, that's just like innate or by like some kind of biological factor for women who have just given birth. Um, but there's something to say then something to say for like you and pre. you know, like maybe. If if you don't want that to happen, then then consider sleeping in a different room if that's oh, not that's your- what we
0: did because I wouldn't sleep. So I would go downstairs where I couldn't hear anything. But another thing that that topic made me think about was the Phantom Cries, hmm. which is bananas. And you can hear it. I remember I was in a hotel. I wasn't even in our house. Like Pre was home with Milo and I was in a hotel. I forget where I was, maybe in Ottawa for school stuff or I don't know where I was. And I'm hearing Milo cry as I'm trying to fall asleep. It's brutal. And when Milo was a baby, like really young, I remember he would be napping in his crib and I would go and have a shower. And the whole time I'm in the shower, I think he's crying but I can see the monitor right. and he's not crying. It's so frustrating. And I wonder if that is evolutionary as well, because it's almost like a signal to keep checking on your child, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think pre ever experiences phantom cries <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so yeah, the nipples leaking, that's crazy. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Another topic that I loved that I've never heard this term before was maternal gatekeeping. I liked how she talked about it in that so many women do this and it's it's more so, I was trying to explain to her why I do it. So for example, if we're putting on Milo's training pants or pull-up diaper to go to bed and Pri's putting it up, I always want to check that, Like the sides are out. So in case he does pee, it doesn't leak everywhere. And it's because I don't think he thinks about that stuff as much as I do, because I'm thinking way ahead. Like, I want to make sure this is good because if he pees in the middle of the night, I don't want him waking up crying because he got wet everywhere. So yeah, I do maternal gatekeeping all the time, like the size, like the pieces of his food that he cuts up, like to give to him. I'm always like checking to make sure it's, you know, if I don't think it's small enough, I'll go and cut them again. But I love how she was saying how when we are constantly doing that, eventually they just lose all confidence in what they're doing and just constantly look to you to do everything or they just stop doing stuff, right?
1: because I think also that goes hand in hand with that is like not only will you let's say like pre leaves the room and you just check the pull up it's people usually make a comment right or like mm-hmm. no, no I'll just do it myself or whatever so it comes with a form of resentment usually so of course and no one likes either being told that what they're doing is wrong all of the time or if it's going to lead to like tension then they people are just going to stop doing it right like
0: yeah and yeah. I, I was like wow I never have heard that term before but I really really like it,
1: it also- into like it's I know it's tied like in in the book she does talk about this maternal gatekeeping but I also feel like it's also tied to a lot of like people just not necessarily always being comfortable also for asking for help so we just get used to doing everything yourself also right so there's probably a bit of both of that where it's like this innate thing where you just want to do it or like you feel like you can do it better, but then also just not being able to ask for help either. So then you end up doing everything. Like it's like just a cycle. That- a vicious,
0: Yeah, exactly. So the, she had a quote on page 50 that says... Oh, this is good. So she it says, if my wife is fuming that I stand there while she empties the dishwasher, why doesn't she just say, "Help me empty the dishwasher" instead of banging pots and pans around? <laughs> so, so this is like a form of like, would that be considered passive aggression? Like, yeah, I would say, yeah, a hundred percent. And these, I just did an episode about communicating your needs to your partner, and like, I made the point that. It can be big things, but it can also be tiny little things throughout the day, and that's a perfect example. It's so easy to just say, "Can you help me do this for one, like a couple minutes, and or whatever it is?" They can't read your mind.
1: Yeah, no, one- and that
0: is the the biggest thing is like nobody can read your mind,
1: and it's about figuring out. You know, she talks a lot in the book, or maybe I felt like she did, but about giving up chores and responsibilities too right so maybe it's on in that moment you say like oh well, can you unload the dishwasher once in a while because you might that might come across with tone and it might not necessarily be the moment in time to bring it up but it's like working with your partner to figure out hey maybe you do unload the dishwasher and i vacuum or vice versa or whatever i'm cooking dinner so that means you do full cleanup and unload the dishwasher tomorrow when it's done." like kind of sometimes about also like setting those expectations ahead of time so that it's not in the moment because often times I feel like if you're trying to communicate a message when you're feeling annoyed or aggravated it's not going to come out the way you intended Mm -hmm. and so it's also about like picking the right time to to have these kind of conversations right and so maybe it's even like setting that time with your partner to talk about hey even if it's like once a month like let's go over everything and figure out like are we in terms of household, because it's also not fun. Like I like to cook, but it doesn't necessarily mean like I am the one in our household who does cook. I do the groceries and make the grocery list. Making the grocery list isn't my favorite part, and figuring out what meals to eat isn't also my favorite part. But it's something that I do because I would much rather do that than, which just <coughs> sounds funny, but I don't even like taking out the recycling and the garbage. So I would rather figure out all of our meals for seven days of the week and <laughs> figure out the grocery list, do the groceries, than do that short. But Kevin and I have worked out those those household chores between the two of us. Right. And so every once in a while we'll also check in with each other and say, like, is this still working for us? Right. Like you're still cutting the grass and I'm doing the vacuuming or I'm doing the laundry and you're cleaning the bathrooms. Like, does that still work for our relationship? Because it can change over time too.
0: And so rather than
1: in the moment of me being annoyed that I'm unloading the dishwasher, and no one's helping me. It's maybe every once in a while sitting down to say like, Hey, for the month of July, can you be the dishwasher unloader?
0: Yeah. But also not being shy if you've had a really bad day or you have a headache or whatever it is, make it known and say, Oh, I'll take care of this tomorrow, or do you want to help me quickly do it? Or can you do it? Like I'm gonna go lay down, you know? Like yeah. most partners would not not want to help you.
1: And also understanding that like not, it maybe doesn't have to be done that second either.
0: Oh yes, I tell Pri this all the time. Like I'm trying to watch below deck can you fucking wash the dishes tomorrow? Seriously. It drives me insane.
1: But Renee, do you say it to him like that?
0: No, I just glare like a death stare across the room. It's funny because this happened just the other night and he was doing the dishes and I literally turned my entire body and I was looking over the couch like this, like staring at him. I had paused the TV. I was like, Death stare for those of you who are listening.
1: You would have done in the 90s and you couldn't pause TV.
0: I know. Oh, God. Rage. Like actual rage. This is how mad I get when I can simply rewind a show. Can you imagine? Totally. Can you imagine if it was before the time of pausing TV? Like, I would murder. I'd be in jail. (laughs) Oh, my God. So she quoted something from Brené Brown when she was talking about the chores around the house or whatever um and just asking for help and Brené Brown calls it the story that i'm making up because and i've been thinking about this a lot about how we make up not only do we not communicate our needs to our partner but we also make up a story about what they are thinking or what their intentions are And I loved that because I think what happens is we make up these stories in our head. If let's say if they're not helping us do something, we make up the story and then we look for them to like, tell us that we're right. Like this story is correct. When really they could be thinking something completely opposite or they have no idea (laughs) what's going on. Probably more the latter. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah what is it confirmation bias which I think a lot of people fall into that like when you're upset about something you're waiting for it to happen again like I use the example of let's say your husband wants to play a game all the time like what is it I was gonna say Sega but no, like Xbox (laughs) yeah and like you're pissed about that and you wish you guys were spending more time together instead of just saying something it's
1: not a real life scenario by the way (laughs)
0: What is it in a real life scenario?
1: He loves to play video games, but I never get pissed because I always just get to read my books and, think, ah! yeah, exactly. So I'm always like, I think you should play video games tonight. <laughs> like, your friends are online, my bath's already like running, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that's so funny, but instead of let's say somebody was opposed to the video games and were was wishing like, oh, we need to spend more time together, like you guys spend a a shit ton of time together. Instead of just saying something, they will be waiting there for their husband to get home and be like, watch, he's going to go downstairs and he's going to start playing that fucking video game. And like they want, they almost want their, their partner to prove them right so that they can be more angry about it.
1: Talking about it and communicating and and it's a communicating like we've we've talked about this on, on a few episodes now, but also like understanding your own feelings is so important. Like why are you upset right now? Like you it's hard you can't communicate with someone effectively if you also just don't even understand your own emotions. Yeah. So it's so 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 huge. And whether it's like with your partner before you've had children or if it's with your sister, or your mom, like we just the communication is so important and
0: yeah, and it's also the other person. Do you feel that you can't say something to your partner? You know, cuz that's a problem as well. So, yeah, I just upstairs like I was saying Milo was being a huge butt and he wouldn't let us put his sleep sack on. He was like squirming, screaming, like it was weird. He never does this. And I was getting so stressed, but like I never showed it on the outside. But then we were trying to zip it up or something and Pre's hands kept like getting in the way cuz he was trying to hold down his legs but at the same time I'm trying to zip it up and I was just like just like stop like I like freaked out and he was like okay I'm just trying to hold down his legs but then I realized that in this moment of trying to get this sleep sack on when Pre would get stressed I get angry mm-hmm. because I don't want Pre to ever be stressed Because when he is like the most calm, like the most, like he is my person that I'm almost like, you know how they say like you co-regulate emotions with someone pre is my person for that. So when he, when I see him getting stressed out, I don't feel comfortable anymore. Whereas like if he's calm, I can just stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. But when I see him get stressed and so he was like, what's your problem? And I was like, when you get stressed, I get like flustered and I start to get angry so Mm -hmm. so just don't have any
1: emotions (laughs) (laughs) just be a robot yeah Uh,
0: but I know that about myself
1: funny I'm we're the same way like this is obviously not related to kids but when McFly was sick which was our dog a few weeks ago and when Kev started to you know panic a little bit then that's when I was like oh this is not good because normally he's like no it's fine like it's not a big deal but as soon as his tone and his language and stuff and changed I was like oh okay this is not good.
0: Yeah like you're looking for him you're looking to him for how you should be reacting basically. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. A chapter that I loved was when they went to go see the therapist in Boston. Because, as somebody who studies psychotherapy or used to, it just blew my mind how this guy does his therapy, (laughs) like in quotations. Because to me, like a therapy is a structured, standardized thing that has been studied and, like, you know what I mean? Like, not in the sense that it's structured in what you're saying, but you know, there's phases of therapy, like they know what they're doing. And it just seemed very, it was amazing. I loved it. Like he just basically told them, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it was just very abrupt and very bold and I loved reading it. And I told her, I was like, do you know how badly I want him to collect data from all, you know, the therapy sessions and couples that he's worked with. And I want to see how effective his method is because apparently it's insanely effective. So yeah, anyways, I just thought that was a super entertaining chapter to read, but obviously I'm biased because of what I've done in the past. Um, So he says, the therapist says, it's a universal human trait that people want to be shown respect. So negotiators must avoid intimidating, demeaning, lecturing, criticizing, and evaluating subjects. And, and she put in brackets, like these are the things that I was doing in my marriage, but I love that because I always think about how there's always tension in mom groups and how moms are not, there's just tension. Like with talking about parenting methods and whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding, like there's always an uncomfortableness and you constantly feel like you're being judged and you are. And part of it is when we look at another mom, we're evaluating constantly. Mm -hmm. Like we're evaluating what they're doing. What would I do in that situation? Like that's the first thing. And it's like, how can I give her advice on, you know, what she's doing, it's a constant evaluation. And so when I read that quote, I was like, Oh my God, yes. Because that's how it feels as a mom, when you're talking to most other moms, not all moms, but
1: yeah. And I mean, I think part of that too, is like this fact again, comes back to communication, but we all suck at being like active listeners, right? Like you're basically listening to people so that you can reply. Mm. So many of us just do that constantly. Right. Yep. What, even if someone's maybe not judging or evaluating you, if they're just replying with their own anecdote or how they would handle that situation, you instantly feel then like invalidated or that they are judging and evaluating you because they probably weren't really listening to you. They were just waiting to reply
0: to you. Do you remember the part about he told her? every time you're getting really angry and you feel like you're going to lash out, go and say this sentence to your daughter's photo. Oh and it was about, I know that what I'm about to do is going to cause you harm, but right now my anger is more important to me than you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's crazy shit. I like it though.
1: I thought it was really good too. And I thought, you know it's really interesting. So in that chapter, he was talking about like their daughter at the time was six years old. And I think the beginning of the chapter talks about how they couldn't even find a babysitter, but then she admits that they didn't really try hard to find a babysitter. So they bring their daughter to therapy and basically the receptionist, they plot, like put some headphones on her and the receptionist like watches her for their first like session. Um, and so she basically admitted like they basically never spent any time a- away from their daughter. And so at six years old, she had witnessed like countless fights between them and so he was really saying like that you need to stop doing it like don't even have discussions basically at this point because it's so bad and she has seen like a lifetime amount of arguments between the two of you that you literally need to leave the room and then if you need to have the discussion then you both still need to leave the room and have the discussion like somewhere else right like in a different room in a walk-in closet or whatever hmm. I felt that part was really interesting because it's like I don't actually remember my parents got divorced when I was like 12, I think, but I still don't even really remember them arguing. So whether I blocked that out or my parents just didn't really argue in that kind of way, I don't, I don't know, but I have lots of friends and family members that argue in front of their kids. And I don't know if I would have ever thought how damaging it could be. Cause I just feel like people do it. Mm. And so this chapter made me realize like, oh, they're probably, you know, like kids carry that stuff with them or then it's learned behavior. And then they're going to end up in a relationship and just do the same thing. Yeah. And also gives you a second to pause, right? Like you, he was telling you, like, make a T sign, like time out. If you don't have, basically comes down to like, if you have nothing nice to say, keep your lips shut and walk out of the room because you're not going to say anything nice. It's just going to be like verbal diarrhea is going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be probably abusive language and not really have a point to it, like rambling. So leave the room. Um, and it's such a good point because like, even just walking away literally can diffuse a situation and you think differently. Right? It clears your head. Like even if your spouse isn't going to follow you, which sometimes you don't even want them to like, yeah, it's, not that it's, such, it's such an easy thing to do. Just like remove yourself from the situation. It's like taking a deep breath, but like more extreme version of that, right? Like leave the, leave the situation and you, you probably will feel like almost instantly relieved.
0: Yeah. And I think in the moment, a lot of people just want to, make make a point or you know like make a point or to win or to put the other person down or when like that's not going to help anybody really so i liked the chapter that was about weekends and it was something along the lines of maybe this is an instagram post i saw not too long ago but it was something about like remember when weekends were like remember when you looked forward to weekends <laughs> cuz which I can really relate to because now weekends for us are probably more work than like during the week. It's very like we have a routine going, everything is very structured and you know, uh, we get up, we have coffee, we get Milo up, we get him ready. We go to daycare. I come home. I do work. My husband goes to work. Like we have dinner. Like we pick up Milo it's structured. And then the weekend is just kind of like, Oh, what's going to (laughs) happen? Like we don't know. And obviously right now, because we're in quarantine or lockdown and with COVID, weekends are not busy at all. Um, But she was talking about how busy weekends are with like birthday parties and activities. And it's nonstop just catering to your kids. And I like, I don't remember who it was that she was getting advice from, but they were talking about how weekends need to have physical activity, escape, and then certain people involved. And so her like advice was to plan things out, which we do. After a while, I started to notice that weekends would just go by and we did, I didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do. So now like I make a plan. Okay. This is at least one thing that I want to accomplish this weekend. Uh, And I want us to go to the park or, you know, like things to do alone, as a loan time, like recharge time, but also things to do as a family. Like what do we want to get done? And then also she gave advice to say no to things. Mm -hmm. Like people just don't say no to things that there should always be relaxing time. Like in your weekend, it should not just be go, 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 go. And what are the parents going to do to recharge? Like to make that a priority as well. I thought you would relate to that too. You guys don't have kids, but you guys are so busy. And I know you guys used to pack so much stuff into all your weekends um, way in advance.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, I feel like, um, I, you know, it's a bit weird right now with, with the whole COVID situation and we're in a lockdown. Um, so I was saying to Kev, kind of like, you know, as, as as hard as it is right now for the social isolation and I work from home right now and my husband works out of the house so it's literally like me 12 hours a day sitting in my house by myself and it sucks on the weekends right now because we're forced to have a slowdown there's this part of me that kind of likes it because we're forced to slow down so my weekends are very low key so I go for a walk and we cook nice dinners and we maybe do a house tour and I read a lot and that's the first time in our marriage so the first time in 10 years that that's happened because normally it'd be Thursday night where I one of us is at the grocery store, the other one's packing. And then Friday we work, we get in the car and we're off, like literally out of town. Like most weekends we would be either camping in the summer or heading to a ski hill in the winter or something like that. Or or we have company coming because yeah. we're out of town from our family and everyone wants to come visit. And of course we want to see our family. So, you know, we're usually hosting or we're out of town. So hosting also requires, you know, grocery shopping, cleaning your house. And it's like, go, 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 go. As much as I want this whole craziness to be over with and I want to get back to our normal life, it's also like a forced slowdown, which I like.
0: I'll just end with this last quote, which was, don't pee on the gift, which meant don't okay something for your partner to do and then make them pay for it after because you are pissed that they went and did it. (laughs) Don't pee on the gift. So we'll just let everybody know, February's book is born a crime by Trevor Noah. I am on chapter eight. Are you done?
1: I feel like there's 18 chapters. So I have two chapters left. So. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So
0: I'm half done. Jen's almost done. It's really good. We both got the audiobook through audible. Yeah. Um, we couldn't find it anywhere else, but everybody recommends to listen to the audiobook because he narrates it and he does the accents of his family members and it's really entertaining. And then, I will mention March, March's book is 13 Doors by Erin Wright and it's a novel, which is different because we don't have, I think we've only had one other novel. What was it called again? Little Fires Everywhere. I've read a, a big chunk of that book as well and I really like it and I'm not a fan of novels at all. And it's basically about um, a couple who has a second child and she has, I'm not sure if it's autism. They haven't really set a diagnosis yet in the book. I don't know if they ever do, but she has um, autism or sensory processing disorder, something. Um, And yeah, it's just them navigating that. And specifically, I think it, goes into navigating the school system and how to get the proper supports and whatnot. Um, super so far, I really like it. So yeah, that's March's book and, um, that's all for now. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening guys.